You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. I'm rolling. We're doing it live. That's it? You're not going to pick it up from there? Oh, is that what we're doing? Yeah. I didn't know you were starting. No, no, we're starting. Uh, some, some days you just, you know, you start talking and I'm like, ah, he's goofing around. And it turns out you're not. You're actually dead serious. And that concerns me, Andre. Michael, I'm so glad that we had to rush to do this podcast because we do stay in pretty close touch when we're not podcasting. We message each other almost daily, probably daily, probably multiple times a day. And this past weekend, this past weekend, the, I I was completely off the chain in terms of the wine world. I, I went from the snobbiest of snobs to the lowest of the low. And I thought that I just needed to talk to you about it because you were a little bit salty with both of the situations that I was in, and I just wanted to talk to you about it. There are just days that I feel salty. I don't <laughs> know why. It's just like I get your texts, and I'm like, "All right, I'm gonna, gonna see where I can where I can take them with this one." <laughs> okay, well, let's start with Friday night. We're going back to uh, Friday night, and this was uh, April nineteenth. Okay, the LCBO uh, vintages mail out uh, comes out via email, and. Uh, they had uh, the Paul Hobbs wines available for sale. And uh, anyone who knows this podcast knows how much I'm a fan of, of Paul. Uh, went down to the Finger Lakes to talk to him about that project and his winemaking. Uh, I've had a chance to taste his wines in California. And I'm just, it's my one treat a year is a bottle of his Russian River Chardonnay, which is $65 at Vintages, and I feel worth every penny. Okay. So in the mail out, he's got his uh, Tocolon Cabernet Sauvignon. The, the newest vintage is $690. And yep. that is still one of the best wines. Probably the best wine I had last year was the 2006 Tocolon that you were gracious enough to bring to my house. That was glorious wine. Agreed? I, it, was, it was very tasty. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit. I thought it was a little long in the tooth, but, uh, but still not over the hill. Fair enough. So my wife and I had a discussion because the, the, the Tocolon is the most expensive. The cheapest wines in the mail out were a couple of single vineyard Chardonnays that go for $129 a bottle. And I bought one. Well, okay. So I think how this whole thing starts is I sent you a text and I said, I'm, I'm going to get some of Colmina's R&D Rosé. And that wine is awesome. That wine is British Columbia. Yeah, that wine is fantastic. For nineteen dollars a bottle. R and D rose. I'm gonna order it in. Are you interested? And I said You wanna share a case, you wanna share a half case, they'll send it over our way. And you said, I can't do it. I've already got $120 in wine. And I'm thinking, Oh great, you must have found a great bargain. And you said it was one bottle. Yeah. And I just shit myself your text message to me and i quote was there is no bottle of wine worth a hundred dollars a bottle i would stand i would stand by that especially especially when you make the kind of money we do oh okay well that caveat that caveat was not in the text message that you sent me because i was gonna i was gonna push you a bit on on the hundred dollar price point the thing is 
Look, if I was a, if I if I made big bucks, I, I was talking to my wife Erica about this. I said, even if we made big bucks, I think my top out would be about 50, 60 bucks because I can find a $60 bottle of wine that is just as good as anything above that. And I will stand by that. I really don't know where to, where to take this with you because I don't agree with you whatsoever, but I think this is where it's going to come down to, to taste and value because we both taste probably very close to the same number of wines in a year. I would, I say I would taste a little more, but go ahead. Yeah, you'd, I, I would definitely agree with that. But we're both tasting, we're both tasting over a thousand wines each year. Yeah, easily. Um, I would say there is a small number of wines worth that more than hundred dollars a bottle. And I want to go back to that trip to California that I took last year uh, to Robert Mondavi. And that was where I got a chance to taste all of these Tocolone wines and taste them next to Aubryon, and it was sort of the breakdown from top to bottom. If there's anything I learned in 2018, it's that the Premier Grand Cru Class A wines from France are the most overpriced wines on the planet. And I yeah, am I going to, to say, I would totally agree with you. And I'm going to say that point in case in this podcast. And those wines are so unachievable that there's no possible way that, that you or I would be able to buy those unless you're making a conscious choice. To buy a bottle of Aubryon, I'm doing without something else, and it's probably groceries. Or your house. Something like that. I mean, it's it's just insane. But that being said, though, tasting um, tasting the, the Chardonnay that Paul Hobbs makes in California is something I look forward to, and it, it's a treat. And I know that the story definitely does help sell the wine. The fact that I've met Paul and interviewed him is part of the allure to that. And, I, and I'm sure you're probably right. You could find me a $60 bottle of Chardonnay that's just as good. But, I mean, there's something about a state of mind when you open up a bottle of wine as well, right? Look, I have, I've met Paul at least two or three times myself. I've talked to him on, on those occasions. Um, it has often been said... Uh, not just by me, but a bottle of wine tastes better. In the presence of the winemaker, 100%. In the presence of the winemaker, correct. 100%. So, you know, you're sitting with, let's say you're sitting with Derek Barnett and tasting his Melville. His wine tastes pretty good. With him in the room, probably better. Uh, it happens with Italian producers. Uh, you're sitting with Craig McDonald of Trias. Same thing. Maybe it's the accents, though. Maybe that's really what. <laughs> now that I um, think about it, you know, you know, Paul Hobbs doesn't have much of an accent. No, but <laughs> the two I did mention, one's British and one's Australian. So, yeah, I guess the accent. You know, it's just something. sort of really, really thinking about it. So in twenty in twenty eighteen, I know I spent more than a hundred dollars or close to a hundred dollars on two bottles of wine. It was uh, Grand Ponte, which is a Grand Cru Class A Bordeaux that I spent ninety dollars on. And a Dieter Cabernet Franc, which is another Tocolone wine. And at $90 American, I thought it was a steal. Because when you're talking about that that top-down breakdown, this $90 bottle of Cab Franc, I would hold against any bottle of Cab Franc on the planet. And I think it will blow it away. Andre, I, I was in uh, Washington State. Yep. And I tasted some really great Cabernet Franc while I was there. Okay. How much of your California Cab Franc? Uh, it was ninety dollars American. See, I can, I can, I can top you there. Uh, these guys, I, I want to go anywhere from forty to sixty dollars, and I would hold them up against your cap francs. 
I think it'd be interesting to do the to do the side by side tasting. Um, that, you, that being do said, do you have do you have uh, uh, this Capron? I do. I seem to have a couple from Washington. That might be for a podcast two, three years down the road because I'm not touching that franc for at least a couple of years. I don't think you're sharing that bottle with me. I'm I, just saying. I, you know what? I'll be perfectly honest. You've been very generous with some of the wines you've uh, opened with me, so I'm not sure who or when that bottle is going to be opened with. All right. Now, the, the let's go to the well, other side of the I spectrum. You in five years, hey, what happened to that bottle of Cab Franc? You're going to go, oh, yeah, Anya and I drank that. <laughs> Although, to, to be fair, to be fair... You and I, we enjoyed about my special bottle of Washington wine before you went on the trip that they called number 41 uh, uh, Apogee. That was fantastic when we opened it. And I was just talking with Anya tonight while I was getting dinner together. And she was just like, oh, uh, do we still have that bottle of wine from Washington? I'm just like, no, don't you remember we drank it like a few weeks ago? Anyways, um, let's, let's go to the other side of the snob spectrum. Um, it was my wife's birthday this past weekend. And I had a party. We had a party. We had a few people over. And it was non, non-wine people, people who enjoy wine, but not people who are as snobby about wine as you and I are. And I, I, I kind of use the word snob in, in air quotes there, because I, I think we try really hard to be as unsnobby snobs as possible. Give it a shot anyway. <laughs> Except when it comes to glassware, I, I have to be honest. Oh, you out snob me there for sure. I the biggest snobs when it comes to glassware. I don't want to be, but somehow... I don't want to do this podcast again, Michael. It happened. You had your chance. I'm you're, still winning. Oh, no. I have Olivier Krug on my side with sparkling wine. And I think the jury's still out on stemware at events, though. I, I, I think it was pretty split with the people who were listening to us. I also travel with my own glassware. Easy there, Michael Vaughn. Not, not for tastings. I I travel, you know. When Actually, I'm, you know when what? Away, let me let me uh, rescind going... let me rescind my Michael Vaughn comment because when we've gone to Saguenay, you always bring a couple bottles of wine. Traveling in the car makes it a little bit easier to carry the stemware around. Hotel stemware ninety eight percent of the time sucks ass, uh, and just having a half decent glass of wine in a half decent glass is very nice. It, yes. it is very nice. When I go to like when I travel to Prince Edward County, I always bring my own glassware. I just I just don't know where I'm going to stay. Um, when I used to travel to Niagara, I used to do the same thing. Is you never know what hotel you're going to be in, what bed and breakfast you were going to be in, and traveling with a glass that you could at the end of the day, knowing that you bought a great bottle of wine and pouring it into a juice glass, just didn't seem quite right. I uh, once again, it depends on on my state of mind. I've drank enough good wine out of juice glasses; it doesn't bother me so much. That's the, that's the Italian wine glass, don't you know? In all the movies, they got the little juice glass. <laughs> well, speaking that's of why it, I bought little juice glasses at one point. Speaking of Italian wine glasses, um, at this party that we threw for my wife, we were talking about red wine and Coca-Cola. Oh, God. And I put out a tweet that I tried red wine and Coke, and it wasn't as bad as we all thought, because the, the reason why I well, did it was everybody... You said Coke, you yeah, that was meant cocaine. And that was the thing is, is I know in the future when I'm talking about Coke, I need to specify Coca-Cola because um, I got a half dozen tweets back at me t- uh, telling me nose candy jokes. And by the way, you can tweet me at Andre Wine Review. But I, I had uh, I had some vanilla Coke, Coca-Cola in the apartment and I mixed it with um, a decent bit of Californian red wine. Now, wait a second. You didn't say it was vanilla Coke. Of course, you added vanilla to that, that Cabernet, and it just made it all the much better. Yeah, but I mean, vanilla Coca-Cola still tastes like Coca-Cola, right? 
I mean, it's and it's not real oh. vanilla. Like it's it's an artificial it's an artificial oh, Andre, vanilla. How much right? wine did you drink that night? Actually, I actually didn't drink that much. I, I fully behaved myself that night. It was just I was just making a point that we were all making assumptions that mixing red wine and coke is something Should that's that's really done. disgusting. And, and that's the thing is it's that like was putting ice cubes in it. I would have agreed with you wholeheartedly. Until you Saturday still night. Should. You still should. I think you've had too much to drink tonight. I have not had too much to drink tonight. And you know what? It wasn't that bad. And it was just me thinking about it. You know what? Here's the problem that you and I have, Michael, is we cherish all the wines that we open, especially when we're throwing a party, whether it's a great, you know, $15 bottle of Trius Cabernet Sauvignon, which is quite respectable, or, you know, a $20 Flat Rock Pinot Noir that is also quite respectable. The, the, the thought of using these wines in a cocktail just sort of, it, it does not compute with us. I, I fully accept that. I sit here speechless. Okay. But thinking about using red wine as a cocktail ingredient, that was kind of where the gears in my head started turning. Because what I noticed when I mixed the Coke with the red wine was... Cola. I took the alcohol, so I did it 50-50. So I took the alcohol oh of the God. wine and I cut it in half. And I added sugar essentially in half because the red wine I used was a, a, a dry red wine. And it made, it just made things taste more sweet and fruity and less alcoholic. It was, I don't know. I, I think I might need to try it again when it's hot this summer. Do you know what? Here's, uh, many uh, Italians have told me that when their parents used to make wine in the new country not in the old country in yep. the new country uh they used to cut it with ginger ale yeah so i've heard I that too white wine with what, thing white wine because with ginger ale red wine with coke a cola it was it was it was crappy wine they, they they just didn't taste the same here as it did there so they needed to cut it they needed to add some sweetness they needed to add some bubbles they needed to add something that made it taste better and look I guess I get it if you're if you're drinking crappy wine but if you're drinking a good wine there's no reason that you need to cut it all right, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. I mean, but it's not about needing to cut it. It's about using the wine as a cocktail ingredient. Well, you put more in than just Coke and wine. That just seems so wrong to me. I just, it, it's, it, right now, I, I'm, my skin is crawling and I'm itchy. <laughs> just, just at the thought of this? Just at the, just at the thought of this. I just, suddenly, suddenly I, I need to find some penitent and, uh, you know, that stuff, that, that white zinc cream that I can rub on my rash that I'm starting to get. So, and I think is what it's called. So is there any chance that maybe when we get together this summer, uh, as we usually do, I could get you to try red wine and Coke? No. No. Not at all. I'm sorry. Not at all. I'm Just out. straight up, you're I'm out. out. You're out. I'm not, I'm not going to give in to your whims. But here's a question for you. I'm, okay. For some reason, I'm... I'm uh, because you're not going to turn me on to red wine and Coke. I'm just not going to do it. Cola, by the way. Okay. Uh, I do have uh, in my hand, since we're just shooting the shit about talking about getting together one of these days, are you a sake fan? Um, yes-ish. I mean, I mean, it's, it's a thing about what, what you and I are, are doing. We can taste flaws and faults when we put something in our house, in our mouth, even when it's not wine but i'm not an expert to be able to pull any nuanced tasting notes from sake but i do enjoy drinking it um my brother lived in japan for a year 
I visited him in Japan, and I I drank I drank a fair share of sake in my day. Are you a cold sake person or a warm sake person? Uh, I usually drink it cold. Oh, I I prefer it cold. I've had it warm, and I think it just takes away a lot of the flavor. But I seem to have a bottle here in my office. I don't even know how I got it. I think a buddy of mine gave it to me. It's called Enter Sake by Richie Houghton. Black Dot. Sake. Okay. Give it a shot. Well, we should definitely do that. I, I cook Japanese pretty often. I've made uh, Okonomiyaki for you before. You've enjoyed that. Yeah. So next time, tell me about it. I'll bring the sake along. We can give it a shot. Oh. Well, let's give that a try. Well, yeah. You know, Good talk. I think things we learned from this podcast is there's no bottle of wine worth more than $100, according to Michael. Well, well, obviously, according to Andre, you can spend 120 or so, and you know, you're just going to be happy waiting for the, the problem with the $100 bottle of wine, Andre. And, yeah. and this was this is my thought uh, always is when you have a $100 bottle, $120 bottle of wine that you've bought, yeah. there's going to be no occasion special enough to drink it because. $120 is real money to you and I. I find that opening a bottle of wine like that is a special occasion. Um, Ani and I will open up a bottle of wine like that just because it's a Thursday. Um, I have a handful of Chateau La Confession, the, um, the chateau in Saint-Emilion that's partly owned by John Howard. And I open one of those bottles a year, and it's never for a special occasion. It's just because I feel like drinking a really nice bottle of wine. And... I mean, that's the thing about these these bottle of wines. I'm not going to be sitting on them, collecting them, and, and selling them. I am buying these wines to drink them. That so how, Chardonnay, how much is the Chateau Confession? It uh, goes for between 55 and $75 a bottle, depending on whether it's a good vintage. Okay, so now you have a bottle that's double the price. Let's see what occasion you, you crack that one for. Okay. If, if Thursday is the thing. Uh, it will be. I guarantee it will be. Come on, Michael. Okay. Did you not hear me tell you that I bought... A single vineyard Chardonnay. And you know what happens to Chardonnay when it's written on the label, label, label. It's on your table, but you've got to be able to open it. <laughs> oh, trust me, I'll be able to open this. Anyways, um, let's hope somewhere in this nonsensical rambling, uh, the people who are listening to this podcast enjoyed what we just did. Comment. Have your comment. <laughs> Tell us whether you've tried Coke and red wine. Tell or us, is there a bottle uh, of red wine that you love that's worth more than $100? I bet you would pay more than $100 for. Yeah, what Michael said. Yeah. All right, yeah. subscribe you to the podcast. Willing, you got to be willing to fork over your own money. There have been times that I've tasted wine and go, wow, that's a great bottle of wine. I'm glad I didn't have to pay it for it, but I'm glad I got to taste it. So what would you pay $100 for of your own money? Leave a comment. Uh, leave a review of the podcast. We'd love to hear what you think. I'm Andre. Email us. We've got a new email address. Oh, yeah. Two guys, guys talking wine at gmail.com. Which means angry emails will go to both of us. So if you want to yes, tell us both off, you can do it in one simple those. place. Yep. Anyways, uh, I'm Andre Prue from underwinerview.ca. I'm Michael Pincus of michaelpincuswinerview.com. And as always, Andre, I'm going to let you say it because you paid $120 for a bottle of wine. Good night. See what I did oh, there? God. I said it like a like a rich guy. You're a douche. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.